here, even on spring break. Um, it's good to be able to worship the Lord. Please turn with me. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. First Corinthians chapter 12. My hope this morning uh, is we're going to expound some truths uh, that are in this passage. Specifically, we're going to be going through verses 12 through 27. 12 through 27, but specifically, okay, my goal is specifically to focus on a specific doctrine, uh, and it's the topic of the, the biblical priority of church membership. Okay, so today's message is on church membership. It's both a defense and an appeal towards church membership, specifically as we'll see here as it relates to verses 12 and 27. So as we think uh, this morning about what it means to be a member of the body, as we think about what it means to belong to the church of the living God, okay, there's a couple of things I want you to consider. If you are already, if you are a church member, this is not your time to say, I'm good, I can zone off and think about something else. No, I want you to be thinking, are you valuing church membership? Are you also fulfilling, okay, your responsibilities as a member? Okay, think about these things as we go through the passage. And then for those of you who um, are not church members, um, maybe you've never even considered the topic. Okay, I want you to think. I want you to think rightly and hopefully help you to see the biblical priority and the beauty and the blessing the membership is in God's church. Now, as we start, too, I want, I want you to know we've, you know, we've talked about this for a long time. Uh, our pastor, Josh, has been uh, teaching this for many years. He's taught and preached on this before. Um, so if any of this sounds familiar, it's probably because it is familiar. Um, so, and Josh has preached on church membership in the past. So if I sound like him, then, you know, good. You know, that's kind of the point. Uh, he's taught me these things, these truths as they reveal to them in Scripture. And so I hope you'll hear that as well. So... Uh, but enough of that. Let's go ahead and read our passage. So 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 through 27. And God's word says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, this, where be, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And in those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. 
If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. Stop there. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for the privilege that it is to sit under the preaching of your word. Father, we are not um, worthy um, to um, come before you on our own. Lord, you know that um, none of us um, are able to stand on our own strength. Father, you know that I'm not worthy uh, to be here and proclaim your truths. And yet, Lord, we praise you for your faithfulness. We praise you for Jesus, that it is only through him that we can come before you. And it is only through him that we can even sit here and understand these truths and apply them to our lives. Father, these things are too much for any one person, uh, but they're not too much for Christ. And so we want to exalt him this morning. Uh, Jesus, we want to give you all the glory and praise, and we ask for your help, uh, that these truths would be uh, revealed to us, that you would open our eyes to see and live according to how you want us to live, Lord, that would be a blessing, and that would enrich our lives, Lord, as we walk together as a body, that we would apply the things that we're reading and talking about and discussing and meditating, Lord, that we would be a body that is one, just like you are one. And finally, I just ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you know, we're um, right now as a church going through the, um, you know, what it means to be a church. So we're talking about different topics in relation to the church. So this morning, we're going to focus on church membership. Um, but we're in 1 Corinthians, and I don't want to cut you in a way. I do want to give you some context about what's happening. Okay, where do we find ourselves in this passage? So the author, Paul, Apostle Paul, he's writing this letter to the church that is in Corinth. Okay, so he is writing to a very particular church body. We're going to see why this is important later on. Now, in this letter, okay, earlier on, the previous chapters, Paul deals with some issues going on in the church um, and deals with them specifically. And now, okay, we're getting to chapter 12. We're getting to our passage. And Paul begins it, okay, verses 1 through uh, 11. Uh, he talks about the nature of spiritual gifts and the fact that we all have different gifts, okay? They all come from the same spirit, empowered by the same God. And these gifts, okay, are given by God as he pleases, now, what are these gifts for? All of us, when we come into uh, the knowledge of Christ, God has given us gifts. And what are these for? Paul makes it clear in Ephesians 4. He says, when he tells us that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, he gave those, these people, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Okay, so God has equipped you with gifts to be a blessing to the body of Christ. In other words, your gifts have one main purpose. And they are the edification of the church. So therefore, the logical next step, okay, God, when he saves a person, the logical next step is for them to join a church to use the gifts that God has gifted them with. So if you are in Christ this morning, if you are in Christ, you are called to God's family. You are therefore called to be a member of the household of God and use those gifts for his edification. Okay, verse 27. Let's read with me. Now, you are the body of Christ. Okay, and individually, you are members of it. Individually, church, every one of you is to be a member of God's church. Okay, so we begin. Let's begin now. Verse 12, uh, we'll, we'll kind of, with the topic of church membership, right? We're not going to have one passage that tells you everything that you need to know about church membership, and you turn there, and it's like, this is all you need to know. You have to think theological a little bit, um, and we'll apply some things from our passage. But let's start with verse 12. Verse 12 reads, For just as the body is one, 
and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Okay, and Paul is going to continue. He's going to use the illustration of the body. Okay, he's going to illustrate the body as a way to show the necessity of members belonging together, participating with one another in their particular role. Okay, so just as a body would not exist if it didn't have any members, the church would not exist if it had no members either. So let me address, before we keep going, let me just address some big picture questions, okay? What is church membership, first of all? So we're talking about church membership. What am I talking about? What are we talking about when we think, when we encourage people to join the church, to be a member? I can give you a more precise definition later, but big picture, what I want you to see is that as we look at Scripture, church membership is a covenant between a local church and a Christian. Okay, so you have a local church on the one end, and you have a Christian. So church membership is a covenant between a local church and a Christian. And just like in any covenant, okay, in any commitment, you have both parties, in this case the church and the believer, and each one is bound to specific obligations. Now, what are those obligations? Okay, first, on the one hand, you have the church. The church, what they commit to, they commit to examine a person's life, to affirm a person's profession of faith, and consequently, based on their profession of faith, to care and to shepherd them, to shepherd that believer into greater maturity, okay, based on their profession of faith. So that's the role of the church, the obligation of the church to care, to shepherd, to walk with the believer. And on the other hand, right, you have the Christian. What is the Christian bound to? The Christian vows, first of all, to a life of obedience to God. First of all, vows a life of obedience to God. And so, consequently, will choose to submit to the church's oversight as they seek to care for him because God has given the church to help us in our edification. So the believer will submit to the church's discipline of him. He will commit to serve and love the body. He will practice the one another's, okay, the one another's that we see all throughout the New Testament, love one another, forgive one another, he will commit to practice those in the context of the local body. So we have two commitments from two parties, and both, par- both commitments are not to be taken lightly. Okay? The church has a commitment. Each individual has a commitment, and God is going to hold both parties accountable for how they fulfill their obligations. So at its core, I want you to see church membership is a covenant between a church and a Christian. So church members, think about your obligations and your responsibilities. Are you making those a priority? Second question. Okay, where do we see church membership in Scripture? This is just something that we just kind of came up with and decided this was the best thing to do. Well, so where is church membership? The Bible, okay, and I don't have time to go through every passage that, you know, kind of walks into this. We could be here all day talking about church membership. This is a topic that I've thought about a lot, and if you want to talk more, one of my goals here is just to give you a little taste, okay? just to give you a little taste, a sweet taste of the beauty of church membership that hopefully will be like, I want to know and learn more. Like, I want to like, actually enrich my life in this. I want more of whatever it is that you have here. Okay, so I'm not going to go through every passage, but it speaks throughout, it, throughout the New Testament. So if you want to see more passages, you want to know more passages, find me after service. I'll send you some over email. Uh, for this morning, we're going to focus specifically verse 12 and 27. Okay, so verse 12 and 27, they read, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 27, now, you are the body of Christ, and individually, members of it. Okay, now, some 
are going to want to argue that when you look up here and it says church, okay, it's just talking about universal church. But before, before I even get to that, let me just say, the passages here say that you are called to be a member of God's church, both a universal church and a local church, okay, both the universal church and the local church. And remember, what's true of the invisible church that Josh spoke about a few weeks ago, what's true of the universal invisible church is to be true of the local church in a visible way. Okay, now some are going to say, no, 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 Paul here is just talking about the invisible church. Okay, this is not about a local church. This is, Paul has just in mind the invisible church, um, the body of God. When you become a Christian, you become a part of the body. So, to which I will answer in short... Um, no, he actually has both in mind, okay, both the universal and the local church. And I'm not going to give you the full argument as to why I believe so, but let me give you just a little, base, a little bit of the taste of why I believe that Paul actually has in mind a local church in mind too when he talks about the church here and the body of God. Okay? Uh, so I'm not going to give you a full argument, but look at verse 27. Okay? It says, Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. You are the body of Christ. Now, who is the you? Okay, look at the passage closely. Now, you are the body of Christ. Is this you just like an individual you? Paul has in mind a Bobby, a uh, John, that he's talking about. You are the body of Christ. Is it a singular individual? No, this is a you that is plural. Okay, we, we missed that in our translations, but it is a plural you. Okay, he is talking to the whole church. And we talked about this earlier. Paul is writing this letter to a a local body of believers. He's writing to the church that is in Corinth. So when Paul is saying, you are the body of Christ, he's saying, you, church in Corinth, you are the body of Christ. The body of Christ that Paul has here in mind is the Corinthian church, a local body of believers. And so that's why he has to make the distinction right after. He's saying, church, church, you are the body of Christ. And then individually, each of you has to make that distinction. You are members of it. You are members in the body. So I do want you to know that when it says you are the body of Christ and individual members of it, okay, you, Bloomington Bible Church, not individual, you're not as an individual, okay, Matt, Brandon, you are not individually the body of Christ. You, Bloomington Bible Church, you are the body of Christ. And individually, you are to be members of her. Okay, so I hope that's clear. If you have questions, come find me, but... I do want you to know, too, because we're so individualistic in our thinking, right? Our culture is just so individualistic. It's all about me, all about me and what I think is best. Most of the New Testament, pretty much not all, is written to churches, okay? It's written specifically to churches, not individuals. Therefore, it's not good for you to be so individualistic when you read your Bibles that it's all just about you, just about you, just about you, okay? Think big picture. Think about the conquest of the church, He's writing to the churches. It's not good for you to be individualistic in your Bible reading and your obedience to God. Your obedience is to happen in the context of the local church. Okay, so don't separate the church as if this is this over here and over here is my obedience to God. No, your obedience to God is to happen in the context of the local church. If you try to live as a Christian apart from the church, you will fail because you're operating outside of God's good order. Church membership, that's what it is, that's important, that's where we see it. And now, some people will still have some objections, right? They'll raise some objections, um, and I won't raise every one of them. But let me give you one to hopefully illustrate why this is important. Um, So the objection some people will say is, well, you know, 
why can't you just treat me like a member? Because I do everything, you know, I, I give, I, I come, I prioritize, I worship, you know. Why can't I just be considered a member just because I act like one, right? Well, the answer is you cannot be considered a member just because you act like one because you don't possess the authority to declare yourself a member. Okay, church membership, again, remember, is a covenant between two parties, the church and the Christian. The Christian just doesn't get to determine all the terms of that commitment. Okay, it's not just the one party, it's both parties. So you don't get to declare yourself a member whenever you want to. Okay, let me give you an illustration. Imagine that you just came to our house, we invited you over for dinner, and you came to our house, and then you said, you know, that was really good. I am now a member of your family. You know, I'm a member of your family. Now, give me my inheritance. You know, first of all, I would say you chose the wrong family for this. Um, but second of all, right, that, that's just foolish. Like, you can't just do that. Okay, let me give you another illustration. You can't just go into any country and travel and be like, this is a beautiful country. I am now a citizen of this country, and I declared so. Okay, you cannot do that. Okay, you cannot declare yourself to be a citizen of a country just because you're there. In the same way, you cannot declare yourself to be a member of the church. Okay, don't be so individualistic. Don't elevate your judgment above the rest. Just like there's a process for becoming, for being adopted into a family, just like there's a process for becoming a citizen, there's a process for church membership. And God has given the church the authority to welcome and to dismiss members, okay, not the individual. Okay, now that I've addressed that objection, and hopefully it was helpful, and hopefully I've shown you, hopefully I've, I've given a defense for church membership, okay, I want you to see that church membership is not just found in Scripture, it's also a necessary and practical inference from Scripture for our obedience. Okay, let me say that again. Church membership is a practical and necessary inference from Scripture for our obedience. Okay, how, how do I mean? Okay, let me give you five quick reasons why I think church membership is practical and necessary for you to obey Christ in the way that he's called you to. Let's look at our passage, verse 25 and 26. It reads, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members, right here, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Okay, how on earth are we to obey this apart from church membership? Okay, can you really, verse 25, um, that the members may have the same care for one another. Can you really have the same care for every Christian in the invisible church? Can you really suffer with every Christian out there? Can you really rejoice with every Christian out there? Especially when you may never come into contact with them. You may never interact with them. You may never know what they're going through. Can you really suffer with them? Can you really rejoice with them in the same way? So much of our obedience only makes sense, okay, in the context of the local church. Another example, go to Hebrews thirteen seventeen. By the way, a lot of this for you will be new, but hopefully my goal is that this will be a priority check. Okay, it's a priority check. Do I have my priorities in line? Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Okay, obey your leaders and submit to them. 
you cannot submit to your leaders if you don't know who they are, okay? if you have not submitted to a church. In other words, are you just called to submit to every pastor out there? Okay? Like every time you listen to a YouTube video, you're supposed to just submit and obey? Are you just, or maybe like, are you supposed to just submit after your third visit when you begin liking it or after a year? Like, how about when there's mutual, okay, mutual submission, mutual commitment from both parties? And on the other part too, okay, the elders, the leaders, they're keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Okay, who are the leaders accountable for? Are the leaders accountable for every single person that comes and visits? How about those who are willing to submit to the church? There's a clarity, and there's clarity and distinction in that. Okay? Two more, church discipline. Uh, Paul says earlier in this passage, actually it's 1 first, first Corinthians 5.2. Um, I won't read it, but you can turn there if you want. I'm going to go back to our passage. So. 1 Corinthians 5.2, he's giving an example of a man who uh, needs to be disciplined, and he says, let him who has done this be removed from you. Let him who has done this be removed from you. Okay, how can somebody be removed if you don't even know in the first place that they belonged? Okay, there has to be a distinction between those who are a part of the body and those who are not a part of the body. And lastly, the last point that I want to make for why it's a practical and necessary inference to your obedience is that it gives proper direction to your obedience. Okay, it gives proper direction to your obedience. Okay, are you really to care for the needs of every single person out there in the world? Do you really want to try to bear the burdens of every single person who's bearing something right now in the whole world? Okay, in our pride, some of, us, some of us have tried this and saying, I will try to bear with every, you know, bearing. I will suffer with every injustice that there is. I will work to right every wrong. But just, let me just tell you, this does not work. God did not make us capable for such a task. In fact, God gave us direction. God gave us direction. We read Galatians 6.10. Galatians 6.10, Paul says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us, good, let us do good to everyone. Okay? So there is a sense in which we as Christians should want to be charitable to everyone, but especially, and especially, okay, here's the direction piece, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. Okay? Let's look at two. Also, back in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20. Let me read. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. But if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense be the, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. A foot and an eye, okay, a foot and an eye can only serve their purpose when they understand their position and their role in regards to the whole body. Okay, so you have direction from God to be a specific part of the body, to play a role in relation to your brothers and sisters around you. So being a part of a specific body is necessary for your obedience. Now, let me go back to answer a couple more questions, okay? So we've answered, what is it? Hopefully, we've answered, where is it? And now, let me say, who can become a church member, okay? So we've answered the what, the where, now we're going to tackle the who. Who can become a church member? And the answer is a Christian, okay? The only prerequisite for church membership 
is a credible confession of faith that demonstrates both by word, okay, you have to know the gospel, you have to know, and by deed, you have to live as if you've repented from your sins. You have to live, your life has actually been changed by the gospel. So by word and by deed, an understanding of the gospel and the way it has changed a person's heart. Okay, know this, to be a church member, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know it all. You just have to trust in Jesus as your only hope for salvation. And this is what it says, Paul says early in uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he writes, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Okay, so church is for a Christian, okay? But don't get it confused. You don't join a church because that's going to make you a Christian, okay? We, we get it our, you know, in our world right now in our culture just people think well i'm a christian because i go to church okay no that is not true you know you join the church because you're a christian now don't, don't neglect the role that a church can have in a person's salvation okay when you hear the gospel proclaimed oftentimes that is what god uses to bring somebody to salvation but you're not just a christian just because you come to church and at this point i also want to say okay a lot of people will come and they'll come and be a part of our you know our church they'll they'll um, participate, they'll come join, they'll see the love that is here, the fellowship, um, they'll see the community that is found in this church, and they find it really appealing, right? Because there is love that God has created for one another, for us. But I want you to remember, okay, and I want you to really, really know this. The only thing that unites us is our love for Christ. Okay, at the end of, end of the day, if we did not have that, we would not be gathering here together as a whole church. Okay, the only thing that unites us is the main thing that brings us together. The only thing that gives us love for one another is the fact that we love Christ and he has loved us first. And we know that. And we're sinners and he has redeemed us. Okay, so if you're not a Christian, you will never experience the fullness of what it means to be a part of the body. I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself, okay, if you're listening to this, if you're here, I want you to ask yourself, do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? This is the most important question that you could ever ask yourself. Do you know him, not just as the one who made the world, but as, pers- as your personal, as the one who has redeemed and saved you, as your personal redeemer, as your savior? Okay, do you know this Christ? He is the treasure we seek. Okay, he is the reason we worship on Sunday mornings, not for one another. Okay, we come to worship God. It is him that we want. Above any person, above any community, Christ exalted over all. Okay, do not forget that on Sunday mornings. Do not forget that. You're not here for your community. You are here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is him who brings us together. Now, let me switch gears, okay? Hopefully, again, this is an appeal, uh, a defense for church membership, but also an appeal. Okay, I, I want to show you that church membership is valuable. And I could just tell you, hey, it's in Scripture, it's necessary, do it, okay? And I could just end it that way, but I don't want to quite do that. I also want to appeal to you. I want you to appeal and to see the beauty, okay, and the blessing that comes from obedience. Do you know that actually God blesses our obedience? And oftentimes, he blesses it in very specific and tangible ways that we can see here on earth, okay? If you're struggling with your obedience this week, I was reading Deuteronomy 28 this morning. I encourage you to read it, okay? Deuteronomy 28 God lists the blessings for obedience, the curses for disobedience. Okay, God really blesses our obedience. And what are some ways in which we see the blessings of obeying God in this and joining and pursuing church membership? Okay, so I want to give you three reasons. 
Three reasons why church membership, church membership matters. Firstly, church membership gives assurance. It gives assurance. We live in a world where you're told you can't have certainty about anything, right? You just can't know anything. But do you really want to live that way? Do you want to live especially with no confidence that you've been saved? The most important thing, okay, the most important thing is your salvation, your standing with God. Do you really want to be unsure about that? Or do you want to just put all of your hope in your own judgment about whether you're right with God and you're living right with God? Do you really want to just trust in your own heart to know that you're living right with God? Okay, if you've ever wrestled, okay, with assurance of salvation, it can be an agony if you, know, if you don't know that you have certainty that Christ has died for you. But the assurance and the beauty, one of the beauties of church membership is that you don't have to be alone in this. Okay, God has given the church as a gift to you, and in part to feel a greater assurance of the work that Christ is doing in your heart. Okay, your salvation rests solely on the shoulders of the work of Christ. But do you really want to question every morning whether your faith is genuine? Wouldn't you much rather just walk with other believers who can see your life, who can examine you, who can ask you questions, who can pro, like, probe you towards the way that you should go if you're going away, who can encourage you okay, when they see evidences of God working in you? The church is such a beauty in that because it's a precious jewel to have that assurance. And not just for individuals, okay, not just salvation. How about families? Okay, it is scary. It is scary to raise a family, to have a family, to have the responsibility for children, to raise them up in the admonition of the Lord. It is scary. It is hard to do this. Do you want to be alone in this endeavor? Wouldn't you much rather be a part of a godly body that will commit, okay, not only for your own discipleship, but really cares about the discipleship of your spouse? and of your children, and really longs for them to grow in the knowledge of God, there is such a freedom and such a freedom that's found in the church, and just so much help and encouragement that is found in church membership with this. So you have assurance, okay? One of the blessings that you see from church membership that I want you to value, okay? If you're a church member and you've been here for a while, don't neglect this. Don't neglect and, not be, un- and be unthankful for the assurance that you have that you're walking with other believers, okay? So that's the first reason why it matters. Secondly, it displays the unity of God. It helps us display the unity of God. Okay, as Christians, we are representatives of Christ. When we call ourselves Christians, we are Christ followers. We are bearing his name. Okay, we are to be like Christ, his representatives here on earth. So what does that mean for us as a body? Verse 12, go back with me. Verse 12, for just as the body is one, okay, we are to be one, even though it has many members, and all the members of the body Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Okay, church, you have an opportunity and a privilege to represent to the whole world the fact that the triune God is one God, the unity of God. As you work towards church unity, you're working to display to the world that God is one. Don't lose sight of this responsibility and witness. And lastly, number three, it gives protection. Okay, church membership gives protection. You have so many enemies trying to take you down, right? It is hard to be a Christian. And you hear story after story of, you know, a person, you know, walking away from the faith, either because of some heinous sin or because they're deceived in their heart and they said they'd want to go follow their own way, that they don't believe these things anymore. There's a lot of attacks on your heart. And the church provides protection to her members. Okay? It is a safe refuge, a safe place for Christians, where you can find 
encouragement, where you can find sustenance. I want you to know every single one of you, okay, every single one of you is capable of going down a very, very bad path. Do you know this about yourself? Do you know that you are capable of going down a bad path away from the Lord? Okay, if you don't know this, you need to know this because it's, it's true. It's we're all capable. Our hearts are deceitful. Okay, who can understand them? Do you not trust in your own ability to maintain your integrity before the Lord? Okay, when you're tempted to go your own way, and we all will be at one point or another, when we're all tempted to go our own way, and we're tempted to despair, the church serves as a wonderful restraint. Okay, you need this restraint in your life. As church members, you have leaders, you have brothers, you have sisters who are watching over you, who are overseeing you. They care for you, and they feel a responsibility to bring you back okay, when you're wondering. Okay, if you know your heart, you will know that you need the church's discipline as a help to your rebellious heart. And think about this. If somebody has done this for you, okay, and this, this happens to all of us, if somebody has gone up to you and said, hey, the way that you're living doesn't really seem in accordance to what the Bible says. If somebody has reached out to you and done this, be thankful for them, okay? Be thankful. This is one of the scariest things to do. It would just be so much easier to just let them do whatever they want, avoid any conflict. If somebody actually reaches out and, you know, wants to help and confront you and help you, be so thankful for that, okay? The church gives protection. But even more than that, okay, the protection, yes, is great, but it's even more than that. It actually protects a greater thing, not just our walk with the Lord. It actually protects God's honor, and that is the bigger thing, okay? In a world where anyone, again, anyone can call themselves a Christian now, and there's no faith required to go in any church. There's no faith to say, oh, I am a Christian because, you know, it is, it is getting harder and harder. But right now, it's still very easy to just claim Christianity. Okay, you can live however you want, but that is dishonoring the name of Christ. Okay, again, you are representing Christ when you call yourself a Christian. You are bearing his name. And so when you live however you want, you are dishonoring the name of Christ. So church membership protects God's name and the proper display of his glory. One of the reasons why, as a church, we have lost much of our witness is because the church has been so unwilling to discipline her members. Okay, we just let members do whatever it is that they want, and then, you know, the world says, well, these people are no different from us, you know. And in many ways, it's true. It's because we don't actually exercise the discipline that it requires. When you call yourself a Christian, okay, you are called to represent Christ, and God cares infinitely more then you even do. You think you care about representing Christ well? Well, God cares even more than you do to make sure that his name will not be misrepresented. So proper church membership, proper church oversight and discipline will actually protect the name of Christ in this present age. That those who are Christians should not be Christians just by name. Those who are Christians just by name should be rooted out. Okay? They should be rooted out, especially before God tells them, I never knew you. I never knew you. And that is a scary proposition. So church membership done well is a blessing. Okay? It is a joy to behold. And I want you to treasure it as so. Don't just take it for granted. God delights in our obedience. And our obedience will be helped when we take church membership seriously. So now I want to give you a couple of just practical principles for how you can actually take this seriously. How can you actually treasure it? How can you actually appreciate it? What steps can you actually take today, tomorrow, throughout the week to make this a priority? Okay, first of all, if you're here, you're listening to this, you're here this morning, and you're not yet a member of a church, 
Okay, I want you to see the importance of the church membership. I want you to see how it's necessary for your obedience. And I want you to think, what steps of faith can I take? Okay, maybe I'm not ready to take all of the steps that I need, but God, would you give me the grace to take one step of faith and obedience to be more obedient to you in this? I really have been encouraged okay, about a number of things. And one of those things is seeing a few of you, you know, take those steps of your pursue membership over the past few weeks. You know, and Lord willing, uh, we will have some new members to, new member candidates to present to you in the coming weeks. Um, and that is just wonderful. That is wonderful. Uh, if you have any questions what this looks like, please let us know. But also, before I just move on too quickly, okay, I also want to know that I know this is hard. Okay, I know that there are difficulties. I know that there are challenges to pursuing church membership. Okay, and, and I can, we think of specific people, you know, when we say this. this is, oftentimes, this is a hard step. And there's many dynamics, okay, whether it's family, okay, whether it's previous church experience in the church, this could be a very difficult step for some. And so if that's you, okay, I just want you to know we are here for you too. We want to walk with you. We also, we do want you to take this seriously and consider this, okay, what steps can you be taking towards this, but we want to love you, okay, we want to love you and we want to come alongside of you. So let us, okay, just let us do that. Now, for those of you who are members of the church who have taken that step, you're like, why, why are you still talking to me? Okay? For those of you who are members of the church, maybe you've been a member for many years, or you're in the process of becoming a member. Okay, first of all, let me tell you, it's a delight. Okay? It is a delight to be with you and to be a member of the body with you. Okay? It is just a privilege to belong with you in the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of the greater blessings that we have as Christians. I do want to encourage you. Okay? I, I want to encourage you. But I want, to, I want you to think, okay, do you consider this role important? Do you consider this an, an important role? Okay, you, are, you play many roles. Okay? You may be a father. You may be an employee. You may be, you know, whatever it may be. You have many roles, and you put different priorities on different ones. Are you prioritizing your role as church member rightly? Okay, well, you're to prioritize church membership in your church body, you know, especially the household of faith. Oftentimes that means prioritizing your church even above your own family, okay? So how much are you prioritizing this? Are you seeking to grow in this? And yet at the same time, I think of a lot of you, and I just want to encourage you, okay? And I just have so much joy and peace when I think of you. And some of you don't even, you know, need my exhortation to grow into, you're doing a lot for the life of the church, and I don't want you to feel an undue burden that you just need to do more and more and more and more, okay? I sometimes just want you to feel at peace and to know, you know, this is great, and I want you to be thankful for this gift, okay? I really have been encouraged by some of you, and especially some of you that I think about, and you've taken those steps, you've made the church a priority, you've grown in your love for the church, and let me just tell you, it's a delight for everybody to see, okay? It is just a delight to see when that happens. The church really is much better because of your love and your service, okay? Your sacrifice really is noted, even when we miss it, okay? Because we will miss a lot of things. You will make sacrifices, and nobody will know, but guess what? The Lord will see, and the Lord knows. And that is the most important thing. You are seen. Your sacrifice and your love is seen by the Lord. So, church members, do you thank God for the church? Are you thankful for the body? How many times do you pray just in Thanksgiving that God has given you a church body to serve and worship with? Okay, and think about how many of us okay, haven't received help in our marriages, you know, with our families, when suffering, you know, we've, we've lost a loved one. People have come alongside of us. They have encouraged us when we're down. Okay, the church is a grace from God. Okay, so I want you to praise God for it. Return 
all this that you've been giving, return to it in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. Okay? Don't take it for granted. And if you care about church membership and you value it and you treasure it and you love it, encourage others. Okay? Encourage others. Do you have family members probably who have never heard this before and have never prioritized the church and they would say that they're Christians? Encourage them to pursue membership in their church. And maybe you would say, well, I actually haven't really experienced that much care. Okay? I actually haven't really experienced what you're talking about, this care and this love in the church. Well, maybe you just need to let us walk with you. Okay? So if you feel like you haven't, would you just let us walk with you? Okay, your life. We are to belong to one another. Okay, we are to share one another's burdens. So as a member of the church, I want you to know you are very, very important to what we do. You're important to what we do. You play a significant role in the life of this specific church. God made you with particular gifts to serve the local body. Okay, let's, again, let's go back to verses 14 and 18. Now we'll walk through some more of our passage. Okay, for the body does not consist of one member. Okay? You are not individually the body of Christ, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hear? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Okay, praise God that he's given us eyes and feet and, and noses. Okay? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. I lost my place here in my notes. One second. Yes, let's stop there. Each one of them as he chose. We need feet. Okay, we need hands. We need ears and we need eyes so that the body would work properly. Okay, verse 18 again. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. God himself, okay, the Lord of all, has arranged it for you to play a specific role in this specific church. Okay, God put you at Bloomington Bible Church for a reason. Do you know what that reason is? Do you know? how God has gifted you, how, it can be a bless, how you can be a blessing, how you can serve in a church. Because I want you to know the church needs you. Okay? Whether you are a member or you're not a member, the church needs you. If you're a Christian, you're called to belong to a church, and the church needs you. Okay? Your brothers and sisters, they need you. We're healthy, well, better off when the members participate and contribute to the gifts. And imagine if an eye just said, I'm not going to see anymore. The body would be worse off for it. Okay, let's keep going. Verses 21 to 25. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. That God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Okay, God has made you an indispensable part of the body. But do you treat your participation as such? Or do you just think about yourself and what I can gain and what the church can give me without thinking how you can get back and serve the church? Okay, the, the, each member of a body plays a specific role. What role are you playing? So let me, let, let me kind of conclude our message with this. Church membership isn't just signing a paper. Okay? When you 
become a church member, you know, you sign your church membership. It isn't just that, okay? It brings responsibilities with it. And I want you to remember that when you became a church member, you actually signed, okay, a covenant, a commitment to love and to serve the church. So church, have you forgotten those commitments? Have you forgotten those commitments? Have you made them a priority? So this morning, I want to end just reminding you, okay, sometimes I just need to remind you of what you already know that you've neglected. I want to remind you. What we're, let me get, remind you of some of the things that are included in your commitment. Okay? Let me give you five things. First, are you growing in your knowledge of God? Are you actually taking steps to grow as a Christian? That is critical to our participation in the body. Secondly, are you being faithful to attend and prioritize church meetings? Especially, especially the Lord's Day. Is that a priority in your week? Thirdly, are you bearing responsibility to care for the members of the body? When you think about the members of the church, are you take, bearing a responsibility to care for one another? Okay, what does that mean? Okay, the one another's in Scripture. Are you practicing them in the context of the local church? So, are you rejoicing with one another? Okay, when something good happens, are you rejoicing with your brothers and sisters? Are you bearing one another's burdens? Are you praying for one another? Are you seeking to show hospitality, to open up your home? Are you forgiving one another? Are you admonishing and encouraging the idol? Are you helping meet material needs when they arise? Okay, these are all things, and there's more. But I just want you to ask, have I been faithful in these things? Okay, or have I been the person who's just so focused on myself and what I need that I just don't even know what others need? Okay, I want to ask you, when was the last time you reached in love to someone you don't know that well? Okay, you know, it is easy for us to just find the people we know and that we care for and we get along with, and yet... I want you to think about how can I exercise the same care for all the members, okay? We won't do this perfectly, but at least we should strive towards growing with one another, okay? Those members who maybe you don't get along with as easily are because, you know, you want to be faithful to care for their soul. You have a responsibility to them. Do you even know what they're like? Fourth, are you financially supporting the ministries of the church? Okay, this is an important part of your role in the church. Or have you neglected this? And lastly, are you laboring by prayer, word, and deed for the expansion of the kingdom of God? Okay? As a church, we have a responsibility to witness and proclaim God's name together as a body. So are you, by prayer, word, and deed, seeking for the expansion of the kingdom of God? This is a lot, right? This is a lot. And you need God's help for this. Now, how do we know that God is going to help us in this? Because we know that God delights he wants to strengthen us when we want to pursue him towards obedience. So as you seek to take these steps and make this a greater priority, okay, know that God is with you. God is for you. You belong, church, to one another. Make each other a priority. Act like you actually belong to one another. And the last thing is, you may not be, okay, I'm, we're going to go finish the, the chapter here. We, we, you may not be, you know, a, uh, a teacher. You may not be a prophet, but you really have an important role to play. Okay, let's read verses 27 to 31 as we finish our chapter. And Paul says, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles. Okay, now he, Paul's going to start asking questions um, and the answer here is basically he's trying to say, yes, no, not all are apostles, not all are miracles. So, are all apostles? No, not all are apostles. Are all prophets? No, are all teachers? No, do all work miracles? No, do all possess gifts of healing? No, do all speak with tongues? No, do all interpret? 
hey, you don't have to have all these things. You may feel like you don't have that much to bring, but I want you to see that you can, that there's something more important you can bring. Verse 31, but earnestly desire to hire gifts, and I will show you still a still more excellent way. And what is that excellent way? Okay, what's 1 Corinthians 13? Okay, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know 1 Corinthians 13 is all about love. Okay, if you have powers for prophecy, but you do not have love, then it is nothing. Okay, if you give your life for the poor, but you do not have love, you are nothing. So I want you to know, if you feel like you don't have that much to contribute, I want you to see you actually do. You have the greatest thing you can contribute, and that is your love. Okay, you have your love. All of us, regardless of our talents, of our giftings, you have something to offer the body, and that is your love for Christ's church. So church, would you grow in loving the church? Would you love the church as Christ did, by dying for her, enough to give your life for her? Stay with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege we have to participate um, in the church that you have created, Father. It is you who have established the church, Lord. We are your people. You have called us and redeemed us for a purpose, Lord. And one of those purposes is that we would belong to one another and display to the whole world the unity that you have within yourself that we can have with one another. Father, this is um, too much for any one of us. Uh, We cannot do this on our own, so we thank you for our brothers and sisters. Uh, who want to walk alongside of us. Lord, would you, be, would you help us to be thankful? Would you give us thankful hearts for the gift that the church is to our obedience and to our growth? Father, would you um, help us, remind us that we love uh, not on our own strength, but because you have loved us first. And so, Father, this morning, may we all leave uh, remembering the great love that you have for us as a church. Uh, Lord, that you saw us in our sin, you saw us in our rebellion, And so, Lord, when it is difficult to love a brother, to love a sister, uh, Lord, may we remember that you have loved us first, and that is the love uh, that we sing to, that we pray to, that we long for, Father. That is the love that we praise you that you have for us, Father, that you did not have to display, and yet you chose to. And so we thank you for your wonderful, uh, marvelous love that is for us. May that help us go and pursue you more and more every day. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.